Here we are, another episode of Musings with Matt and Friends, and here I am with my friend, former professor, um, current educator, uh, Ben Boyington. Hello, Ben. Hi, Matt. Nice to, nice to be here with you. Yeah, it's definitely nice to finally do this. Um, so when I have a new person on my podcast, I always start with uh, their story and where they got to where they need to be and where, um, you know, why they do what they do. So tell us about Ben Boyington. Um, okay. I, uh, I became a teacher in 2003. Um, yes, that's correct. My first teaching job was in 2003 at Windsor High School in Vermont. 2003. Um, prior, prior to that, I lived in New York City. And had been doing a lot of different things for ten years in New York City. And um, what was it like living in New York? I'm sorry. What was it like living in New York? Uh, well, it's very different from uh, you know northern New England. That's for sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, we have, New York City's got probably you know ten times the state of uh, population of the state of New Hampshire. You know, right there in that little spot. So uh, mm-hmm. it was great. I mean, it was great when I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, when I was in my twenties. Huh. Um, I bet we had fun. You know, and and. It, <laughs> a little, yeah, I know. A little bit after that, into my uh, briefly into my thirties, um, but I, you know, there are things there that you can't find anywhere else, and yeah. there are things that aren't there that you can only find in other places. So right. What about? Decided, um, what about the people? Are people nice generally? Are they? Are they? You know, kind. It, it, you know, it, it, New York City gets a bad rap as far as people go. Yeah, I, I I've only been there like two times. I've been there for a, a base baseball game, and I was there with my um, wife um, to visit because her brother-in-law lives in Brooklyn. My brother-in-law lives in Brooklyn, so I went down there. Nice. Had, yeah, I was for I think for eight of years I lived in Brooklyn. Yeah, um, I mean it's, it's a big place. Well, but I've but everybody's always like, oh my god, everybody's so mean. It's you know I find it's more that they ignore you than that they're mean you know yeah um, I didn't get a lot of trouble from people you know like that but it I mean, it was a great experience I'm glad I did it and we um, we decided that you know was uh, my then fiance and I we decided that once we were married we wanted to live um, in in a less crowded less you know less of a city mm-hmm. um, at any rate and then um, I think this all kind of thinking started after the 9/11 attacks um, yeah and. I was speaking with a friend up in who lives in Vermont, and he had been through a, a teachers program, the Upper Valley, from what is now called the Upper Valley Educators Institute. Mm-hmm. Plug for them, and um, we, we it was a year long program, and he became a teacher, an English teacher, and he teaches at uh, uh, what's it called, um, the Hanover Middle School, uh, Richmond School, the Richmond yes. School in in, uh, in Hanover. Um, so he he teaches there and. He had been through the program, and he said, "Oh, yeah, that'd be great. You should be a teacher." You know, for some, mm-hmm. I think he was part of like convincing me and cajoling me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I went up and visited, talked to him about it. I visited the place. I wrote some essays. You know, the usual kind of apply to a program thing. And it was great. Um, mm-hmm. It's a year-long program, mm-hmm. and you're in the you're in the classroom four days of those weeks with a mentor. Mm-hmm. Four days of those uh, each week, and the fifth day you're at the program doing you know basically courses, you know, some mm-hmm. almost graduate courses sometimes. Uh, and that was great. Um, I can't imagine myself having done that any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there I was, and uh, you know, really loved teaching. I got into that because uh, you know, f- you know, for the free summers. Right. Of course. That's why. That's why everyone becomes a teacher. Isn't that why we're all here? Because we get those summers off. Never mind the eighty-hour weeks that we work uh, otherwise. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I wanted to do it to to sort of, you know, be uh, to to do something to mean something. Yeah. 
it's it's definitely a profession of purpose. Like it's yeah, a, I mean, I think that you know that's what it was, and you know, we came up here, and um, uh, my wife, then by then my wife, um, we we came up here, and we found a place in Newport, New Hampshire. We lived there for a year or so. Um, Newport, the Newport's an interesting place. It it is, and uh, I mean, I liked it there too. There's some stuff mm-hmm. I really like about Newport. Just like no. some stuff I really like about Clare. Um Absolutely, it's all very true. And, you know, we do what we can. Every town has its own personality, right? It, it's true. Um, it, you know, I really there are things I really loved about Newport. I mean, we did the music on the green every weekend yeah. for a while, and you know, there's that great little uh, I, what it's called. There's a great diner on the way out of town. We used to go for breakfast. I uh, coached. I coached football in Newport for one year, and I've coached football in Claremont now for six years, something like that. Um, but the people over there are very passionate. You know what? I, you know what I mean? Yes. They're they're passionate people. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 you know, again, just these little towns each have their flavor. You know, these yeah. cool things that we like to investigate. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, anyway, so, yeah, I, I became a teacher. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I never looked back because as teachers, you know, um, and, and talking to lots of more veteran teachers, um, you you know, we hear this all the time. Like, we, we question ourselves often, you know, <laughs> like, is it, you know, is it working? Is it worth it? Am I achieving what I wanted to? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great to get more sleep? You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I'm still in it, you know. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still devoted to education, so I'm trying to figure that, you know, where where do I go next, you know, with that kind of stuff? Do I stay where I am and, and have you know just continue building? Where do, where does my mind go next? And that's yeah. always fun because I've taught a lot of different things, as you know, because you I met you um, through the uh, college River, River Valley. Valley. Yeah, and I did. Uh, I was just doing a, a nighttime, um, you know, composition course. For yeah. Me. And that was during a time when I was kind of between jobs. I was doing these long-term sub and, you know, college right. gigs here and there mm-hmm. uh, just to, uh, you know, make ends meet while I figured out, you know, uh, getting into another school and trying that out again. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's why I did it. That's why I got into it. And I think um, I found a new kind of uh, home in, in uh, Vermont as far as nice. uh, teaching goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, my family moved into a new home in Cornish. So mm-hmm. we're really almost in the woods now compared to where we were before. And mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're just digging it. And COVID threw everybody for a loop. So that's been kind ah, of weird. And COVID. Let's talk about COVID. <laughs> what, a, what a thing. What a thing. I think it tro- I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. We were talking about trauma-informed teaching at school. And I, yeah. I thought, you know, just after the meeting, I, I thought about it. I was like, you know, this is more important than ever now because we're all facing trauma now. Yeah. Like, you know, when, you know we had those issues before, like, so, yeah, I mean, if you're lucky enough to grow up with no trauma in your life, bully for you. But, yeah. you know, most of us don't. And I mean, a lot of us don't, or we don't know we did until later when we figure it out. But, man, this thing, it's slapping all of us with the, with the trauma stick, you know? And well, the anxiety and the- I think, I think, um, I think us as a country, as a community, I think this country has trauma culture in before COVID. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, especially with the situations I see, like the the way that the that trauma rewires your brain and like changes how it functions is really crazy. And we have a lot of people who are just walking around with these rewired brains. Yeah, I mean, I imagine you see that every day with your work. And yes, you studied it quite a bit in your your education courses, and yeah, you know, um, looking at all those angles. I mean, yeah, they you know they do. We see science now telling us that that trauma of various kinds can rewire and actually be kind of passed on, like mm-hmm. second generation trauma. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I hope not because my kids seem pretty okay right now. You know? Yeah. Um, but and it's an interesting. That's a uh, to connect it to to politics now because as we've talked about before, you know, some people like to avoid politics, but politics, as I've talked, told so many people, they, these people, the people that you put in charge, are literally the people that make the laws that you have to live live by. You know, like I don't understand people who are like oh i don't really care about politics or like it doesn't affect me like yes it does it they if they affect they make the rules you have to live by yeah uh, and they make the environment in which we have to live yeah i mean that you know if leaders is such a funny concept because they're not they shouldn't be leaders they should be working for us listening to us yep. and acting accordingly us the you know the constituents i mean that's a hard game as well but i will tell you that um you know, I mean, you, you know my you know my basic political stance, but yeah, you know, we'll get into the policy uh, in a little bit. I you know I will say that um, there was a guy who who uh, was a Republican, who was a Republican uh, legislator. I don't know what house for years, Bob O'Dell, mm-hmm. and um, I voted for him in I think three elections, and that's probably you know one of the only times I voted for Republican, and the reason was not because of policy, but it was because of how he handled constituent communication. Mm-hmm. You know, he he would uh, show up at the Apple Pie Festival, he would show up at, you know, the Chili Fest, he would show up at, and all these sort of local gatherings. Yeah. He did retail politics, which I'm is very famous for, but he would listen, and he would take the ideas back. And mm-hmm. It was amazing. I was like, and I told him one day, I'm like, dude, I'm not of your party, but I will vote for you every I- time I have a chance, because... You I, care and you act. I have a completely. I've got to be completely honest. With you. That's one of the reasons why I love Bernie Sanders so much, because he definitely does do that. He definitely goes out and tries to talk to people, and he goes and listen. Talk goes and most politicians don't even go to, to listen to their constituents. Like, do you think Mitch McConnell goes to Kentucky and listens to what his constituents say? No, I don't think he does that. And. Um, Bernie pa- always passionately did that, and you know I think he fights for what he thinks is right based on the interactions that he has. This this guy did like seventy eight year old man. He's doing like four rallies a day, you know, running for president. So like, you know, that's what. But th- that's what the politicians are. That's what politicians are supposed to do. They represent you. They're supposed to listen to the constituents, and they're supposed to um, to their constituents, and they're supposed to um, act based on the needs of the people, right? Yeah, and I mean, of course, that's a that's a uh, that's a dilemma for some people, right? That's a question. It's a profound question. Like, are they there to represent what we tell them we want, or are they to, there to represent what we what they think we want or need? Right. You know, from a public place, right? So that's a real question that people have, and and I think that I'd like to think they do both. You know what I mean? I'd like to think that we elect people who are smart enough, observant enough. Um, well-versed enough in various policies to be able to kind of look at where they come from and the people who elect them and say, well, this is what they want, Yeah. but I also think we can do this, right? Like right. The, the, a class legislator would combine those traits into into one. Right. Um, so, like, when you talk, like, that's why, you know the policies that I support and, you know, you, you, you're on my, my page a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that's why, you know, like, so let's talk about the left-right spectrum for a second, because it's actually something that I really can't stand. Like I hate it, like to a point, because like it's not indicative of what you know when it allows someone like Donald Trump to be like, well, they're a radical left because they want everybody to have health insurance and not have to go bankrupt because they have to go to the doctor. You know, that's like ha- that's not a radical idea to me. That's like a rational like 
this is what we do for this is what we should do for our humanity and for the, for our neighbor like we if they get if a person gets sick they should be able to go to the doctor get the care they need and not leave in bankruptcy or um dead because they didn't get the care that they need or have to worry about it like that's not like a radical position and um same goes for like minimum wage and same goes for like college edu education and stuff like that um you know i think I wish I, I I think you can present these things in a way, and so they, they if you talk issue to issue, maybe more effective rather than just be like holding to these ideologies. You know what I mean? Talk to about talk about the issues and talk about what's affecting people. Well, right, because you know if we play that spectrum game, and we generally do, yeah, um, it's a land of binaries. One, yeah, like it's either this or it's that, and it also provides that sort of dismissive ability where, right, you know. Tulsi Gabbard comes and she's mm -hmm. like, well, I agree with this part of the Democratic Party and I agree with this platform over there. Right. And I'm going to run Democrat, but, you know, and then and then people from both sides are attacking her. Right. So there really is a problem in the view politics. I don't know if you ever saw the... Um, there totally is. There's a site called... There's a site called Political Compass. Yeah. I think it's .org. I've done they that. They have a quadrant or a box yeah. instead of a line. One that was even more complicated than that one day, and I was like, "Whoa, this is cool." But I took political compass, and I was like, "Way left of Barack Obama." I was Me like, too. I was left of Gandhi. No. I was what? I was I was in the same area, uh, but I also, you know how um, it like. Like one area was like left right spectrum, and then the other area was like authoritarian communist. Like I was like I was like way to the left, but I was also like um, I was also like wait no not authoritarian communist. It was authoritarian because author because communism is a form of authoritarianism. What's that? Or well, libertarian? Libertarian? Libertarian. So I was like I was like to way to, like an economic policy like yeah to the left but i was also like way opposite of uh the uh, authoritarian view you know what i mean and i think that just it just means like it just means like you know i think people should um if you're not hurting anybody like i don't really care what you do you know what i mean like if you're not negatively impacting somebody else's life if you're not you know going to the going to schools and shooting them up and you're not you know um charging the capital per se um <laughs> Um, you know, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care what you do, but, um, you know, but I, I think you should have protection from your government in order to like in certain human rights. Right. And I, well, and I think that that, um, that experience you talked about with the political compass is a, a perfect illustration of the problem of the spectrum, right? Right. Because on the one hand, you're being lefty as far as the people you want to be protected and, and served, mm. so to speak. Um, and on the other hand, you have this sort of more libertarian aspect. And yet, what do they say about Democrats and people on the left? They say, oh, they want the government to run everything. Yeah. They take away all our rights. And most of us aren't interested in that on the left. No, I'm not interested in that. And, you know, and I think we, we probably, to some extent, do the same thing to right wing. You know, we yeah. probably treat that, put them in little boxes as well. Sure. But to my perspective, and I think yours, there is no real left in this country no. right now, um, and and they keep you know the Democrats keep moving closer to the center, mm -hmm. thinking they'll get more voters that way, and the and the and the Republicans just keep going farther and farther right. Like yeah, what the hell is going on, you know? But we have no sense. Part of that's education. Part of that's that we don't know. You know, in other countries, there are actual lefties around. Right. Or you know, the meme was there was one of those memes that was like, 
you know, we're looking for help. If we were uh, if we were actual lefties, we'd be advocating for the abolition of private property. You know, and all we want is health care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want that. I don't agree with that at all. But I agree passionately that everybody should have health care. You know, so and and that is kind of um, you know. De- like, like uh, Bernie calls himself a democratic socialist, right? And um, I, to me, what that means is that, like, it's because the democratic socialism is still capitalist society. You know what I mean? It's still, it's still capitalist. You just have certain sectors of your society, like education, healthcare, and social services, and police and fire. You know that aren't run for profit. They're run to meet the needs of the people, and a um. And there's a priority put on that. Like, it's important. Like, you're not going to school boards and fighting over cutting crisis counselors. You know, you know what I, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's how I view it. And it's actually when you look at like the big spectrum, like it's democratic socialism is closer to capitalism than communism, technically. Yeah, because right, it, it, it's a mixed economy, really, is what right. we're talking about. And and we have a mixed economy. It's just it would it would it would ask us to do more things, right? That were you know something covered by the government through taxation, et cetera. Right. You uh, talked and, to- and you know it's like. Talked about this before, like you don't have a private fire department that like comes and puts out your fire. You know, you pay taxes, and if your house catches on fire, the fire department comes and puts it out. Same thing with police and public schools. Yeah, I mean, all someone like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren or AOC, all they ever said, well, we should just we should add to those things, add healthcare and education to those things. That's all they've really said. There, now you yeah, can go. I think so. I think so. And, you know, we've been conditioned through through decades of uh, you know political conditioning and, and propaganda and media saturation. We've been conditioned to believe that the, that a democratic society and a free market economy are inextricably twined, which is ridiculous. Like there, there's no requirement that to be a democratic society, one must also be a capitalist capitalistic society. Right. You know, we can argue about what the Constitution says with the Commerce Clause and all those. I was I was in a dis- uh, discussion with a friend of mine on, you know, yeah, on Facebook, because uh, you and I both kind of use Facebook for actual conversation, which is rare enough. Uh, yeah, I try to I anyway. Said, you know, and I said there's no socialism in the Constitution. He was like, actually, look at this, this, yeah. no capitalism enshrined in the Constitution. Right. He's like, look at this and this and this. I was like, I see your point. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But it's not, it's still like we, we already have a mixed economy. I, I learned that in, um, I took contemporary social issues and I had to do a whole assignment about that, about how we already have a mixed economy right now. Social security, Medicare, Medicaid, yeah. like, right, right. Um, another issue that I think is important and ties into all of this is income and wealth inequality. Um, because that's another reason why I supported Bernie because he's like the only one who really talks about it. Um, you know, the fact that the, the top, I think we're in a morally wrong society when somebody like Jeff Bezos has, um, like a tr- almost a trillion dollars. Like I don't even fucking know how much this guy has at this point, like billions and billions. Yeah. It's a hundreds of billions of dollars. He has hundreds of billions of dollars and 40% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Something's wrong there. Yeah, we're we're all like one missed paycheck away from bankruptcy. Yeah, one or one catastrophic illness that we can't pay for away from bankruptcy. Yeah. Now, in the second category, you know, I'm I'm feeling okay for now because you know we the one thing that is great about teachers, uh, you know, compensation is that we tend to have pretty damn good health care plans. Yeah. Um, but 
that also varies from place to place because contracts are negotiated locally. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a question when when the, and I don't blame them when the townspeople in town are like, "You guys get all that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about us?" You I understand that. You know, I that. You know, yeah. I do. Um, but I think you know traditionally the reason that was done was that the pay wasn't as good as right. you know comparable work. So they said, "Oh, well, we'll give you this. We'll give you a pension, and we'll give you some health care." Right. And they keep whittling away at that. You know, like that's the whole thing is the, the whittling away. It's like civil liberties. You know, like yep. the dangers of the slow. It's cut. You know, death by a thousand cuts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now we make that about budget cuts rather than lashes of the whip. But that's where we are. And I think that's a dangerous thing when you have most of the country, um, you know, worrying about survival. Basically. Yeah. Now, not even survival, just regular economic survival. Right. And um, you know, every day we know in fight or flight mode all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's talking about trauma. Like yep. that's all we are. Flight, flight, fight or freeze. You know, boom. But but kind of but at the same time, three people own more wealth than the bottom fifty percent of the people. I'm sorry, this is my podcast. That's bullshit. <laughs> right, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's bullshit, and um, it needs like and you know we're not talking about the worker making more than the ceo but we're talking about you know if somebody has that much money then their employees should have health care adequate health care not um health care with high premiums and deductibles and co-payments good health care um um and a, a living wage that makes all the you know you work 40 hours a week you, if you want to work you want to work more you get paid overtime but you should be able to work 40 hours and not have to worry about feeding your child your kid you know and you know d- democrat socialism also puts a point a uh, priority on things like child care and which will have benefits for our society and if you invest in those things child care at strong social services um you know stuff like that you know you see benefits economic benefits right yeah right that, that we know we don't want to believe that in this country. We want to, you know, oh, that's a socialist country. They don't, they don't, they don't know it. You know, they're, they're not, their life isn't as good as ours. So I'm like, well, actually, it's um, kind of. There are reasons why we can't. There are reasons we can't be Scandinavia in full. Right. There are lessons we can. Learn. But I'm not even talking about that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I would like that, but I know we'll never. But there's still, like, you can still get. I think, like, I don't know. We're the richest country on earth, and not everybody has health care. It's just screwed up. Right. Not everybody has food on the table. Right. Not everybody has a home to live in. Right. Five hundred thousand homeless people. Right. So, like, you know, we know about the dangers of home and homelessness, and you know, food insecurity, and yeah. and you know, just people who come from, uh, you know, families that are struggling to survive. That's that's very hard. And yeah. uh, you know, I think it's always been there. But by by becoming an educator, or as one one of the things I learned is just how tough. Uh, you know, life is, you know, yeah. I mean, I knew it from some experience right. years before, but like, you know, just to see that it's more widespread than I ever knew, Yep. Uh, to, to see the range of impacts it has, you know, you're a kid and you go to school and, you know, there are people in the school who are wealthier than you and there are people in school who are poorer than you and that's fine, but you don't really know, you're not seeing those impacts, you're too young to like observe and understand right. that the real damage that's being done to people. Right. And, and then as a teacher, you start seeing it, it's like, oh my God, no yeah. wonder why that you know, that student can't show up and get the work done. I mean, good mm-hmm. Lord. And, and I don't know what you do about that. I mean, we don't want to... Uh, it's a systemic issue, right? You know what I mean? That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and how do you fix that? You know, like, that's the problem. So we look at all these problems. How do we go about fixing them? I mean, I think, you, I think with... 
I honestly believe, and that's why I advocate on it so hard, you know, especially with the issue, you know, I call it diseases of despair. We have a lot of diseases of despair in this country right now, whether it be poverty, not being able to put food on the table, drug addiction, alcoholism, all of that stuff. We have a lot of diseases of despair, and um, we need to... If, I, I truly believe that if we flooded our communities and because our communities are also segregated into poor communities for the most part, you know, the world, it's not black and white, but for the most part, segregated into poor communities and rich communities, you know what I mean? For the most part, or the, or your communities, you know, the wealthier people have this area and the poor people have this area. We need to flood those communities, especially the ones that are lower income. You got to make sure they have job training. You got to make sure that they have health care. You have to make sure that they can have access to a job with a living wage or else we're not going to fix ever fix any of these problems that's how i view i i couldn't agree with you more i mean especially <laughs> that we've got too much selfishness you know that yeah the thing that you know the rugged individualism of america right? yeah it's a myth and, and it's not helping us no and and that, that it's all kinds of things like why do people end up in in the situations of you know drug abuse alcoholism all those things it's like well you know we're usually fighting something and right. it's coming out that way. You know what I mean? And if we didn't have to fight that thing, you know, in ourselves, if we had some comfort, I mean, this goes to the, the argument for universal basic income, right? Yeah. Um, and I, don't, I haven't followed that deeply enough. I don't know if you have. Um, I, I Honestly, have. when I first... Honestly, when I first heard it, I was kind of like, and this is just my knee-jerk reaction, I was kind of like, you know, get the fuck out of here. We're never going to be able to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, however, there are a lot of strong arguments for it. Because... Um, and I actually, it's funny you mentioned universal basic income because you mentioned Tulsi Gabbard earlier, who I like, by the way, and that if, if people want to get bad at me for that, I like Tulsi a lot because of her policies. There are some things that I, she's done and said that I don't agree with, but you're going to have that with anyone. Um, but she mentioned, because I asked her a question when she came to Claremont, and I was like, listen, I was kind of describing these systemic issues that we just talked about, and I was like, if you were president, what will, you know, will you make sure that you have, that's a priority in your head, and will you, um, you know, try to fix these systemic issues, and she was like, and she brought up universal basic income, and she said, you know, it could, it could really help, because, you know, like a thousand bucks a month, that's not enough money for somebody to not work, right? That's always the worry. That the person's going to become lazy and not work, and there is a whole section of people in this country that voted for that vote for Republicans because of that one issue. <laughs> There's a, <laughs> honestly, um, but we're sorry, I lost my train of thought for just a second. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, but if a thousand bucks a month, like that's not enough for uh you to not work but it's all but it's also there so your kids your kids can get fed so you can just so you can um get your prescription you get your prescriptions and your medicine so you can do you know make sure you have your needs met so you can go to work that's right i mean that's a huge part of the covid response right yeah say, well that's not back and we, we, we and we just had andrew yang running around talking about you built the whole campaign around this really mm -hmm. uh, and he talked i like andrew yang great um, but you know that's that's been the challenge with COVID-19 right how the hell do we stay home I don't know I'm sure you've read some of these statistics but they're horrifying the, yeah. the tens of millions of people who lost their jobs the, uh, it's awful. You know, the impact it will and, and, and the number is larger than we know it is than, we, than we're told it is because a lot of those people aren't lurking anymore they've yeah. fallen off the rolls and, and the ultimate impact of that has been to uh, one, of, one of the impacts from and I've heard this from a number of sources that this has had a uh, 
negative, really negative impact on women in the workforce because it was mostly women who ended up and African Americans, kids, and you know they've lost their sort of mm-hmm. tracks of finances. Single mothers were hit really hard by this. And Co- they always are. COVID has taken a lot of problems that we already had and escalated them. And I'm pointing my finger at, at, at I'm pointing my finger at the person I see in front of me on the TV right now, and that's Donald Trump because he he and you know what we haven't talked about that motherfucker much in this podcast, so we're gonna talk about him a little bit in the abysmal four years that was his presidency. Um, um, he was wrong about COVID from the beginning. He was briefed about it in January. He didn't do anything. He called it a hoax. He um, he didn't even address it until March when we had to shut the country down. Has constantly delayed testing because testing will reveal more cases. And, And it's just been a complete abysmal... And it's causing a lot of death in this country. It's causing small businesses to uh, lose their lose lose their thing um, lose lose their business, and like it's created an awful lot of hurt just because we we had a president that was just completely incompetent. Yeah, or, or worse, that yeah. he decided not to. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. What level of evil is that? That's, yeah, that's, I don't even. I don't even know how to talk about that. Yeah. Now, I, you know, of course, we can have a rational argument about flattening the curve. We can have a rational sure. argument maybe about herd immunity. But we can't just say, oh, we'll just ignore it and it'll go away. Right. Like, that's not how it's going to disappear. Works. You know? It's going to disappear. Um, but, it, you know, I think the challenge there is that he sort of conditioned his people, his followers, over these four years or more, if you mm-hmm. want to go back a little further. Five um, years, six years or so. The guy who has all the answers. So you've got this problem, and right now, and this isn't even all Trump supporters, but right now I'm talking to people who are like, "Oh yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take the vaccine." Yeah. What? And, and I don't know. Don't I'm you want to? Don't you want this to end? But you know, like this is the thing we have right now that might help get us out of this mess at least long enough to to figure out a real solution. Right. Um, and and I, honestly, I think this is the just the first wave of this kind of problem that we're gonna see. Probably throughout the rest of my lifetime, um, you know this idea of like, you know, I mean, I don't know if you like, you ever see the movie Twelve Monkeys? No. Yeah, but it's a it's it's a very cool um, slick movie from the nineties. But there's there's this thing about like diseases being set free, like epidemics, the like outbreak and contagion, and those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a little time travel and little action thrown in, and but you get to the end and you're like, the ending has this oh shit kind of moment where like the diseases are going to start spreading just like this, but they're going to be pandemics like everywhere. Mm -hmm. And who the hell knows what's going to happen? I mean, the problem is like shutting down isn't really the answer either. No. But if we had, in the beginning, if we'd shut down for like a month, not even maybe. Six weeks. I've been saying six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Shut down for just a little while. Like make it work. Give everybody breaks on, you know, give everybody, give everybody a grand. Just basically just like stay home people. But we can't do that in this country. We we don't have the again that rugged individualism crap. Right? Yeah, that bothers me so much. We are yes, Actu- there are some things about American history where we can actually that's like a cool thing, like that buy your bootstraps. But it's a myth. Yeah, uh, you gotta know, have boots first. Gotta have boots. But by and large, it's a myth. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, I mean, you know this as well. Like, if you're in a, if you're born into a family that's actually living in poverty, you cannot save or plan or or no. you know. Uh, you know, work hard enough to get out of that no. that way. You just can't. No. You know, I mean, there's luck happens to everybody, sure. 
Um, and there are levels of poverty, but you, yep. know, you can't. I mean, read it. Read any book by um, you know by Barbara Ehrenreich, you know, right. the nickel and dime in, in America. You know, um, the, you know the working class is screwed. You know, there is almost no middle class anymore. Has been and for a long time. You know, I, that's the scary part. And and this isn't even like like I'm fairly okay with finances. Like my life has. I did work my way up in the world, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of that. I wasn't like generationally poverty. I lived in some yeah. poverty. Yeah, um, me too. And, and, but some of it was not about terrible that. poverty, but I experienced paycheck to paycheck a lot in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and so, you know, I knew I had to work hard, but I also had this kind of entrepreneurial bent for a long time. And, yeah. you know, I did some stupid financial things in my 20s. Stupid financial things. Who mm -hmm. knew better? You know, I should have known better. Even, I, even though you I don't, You don't know better, though. You have to... You, uh, <laughs> I just exited that part of my life, like, a couple years ago. Like, you know... Well, it's okay. Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not... I, you know... All of those decisions, good and bad, are, are how I became who I am, right? Right, exactly. The lessons that I exactly. can pass on to students in real life, the lessons I can pass on to my own children or, or to other children, young people I happen to know. Like, there's, there's the sharing of stories that, that all humans do uh, that we can learn from. Yeah. And, and absolutely, you know, there are, there are things to learn from. But it, I, don't, I don't do the regret thing in my life. I go, well, that was cool and I did that thing and that was stupid and I did that thing. But... <laughs> It, it all contributed to this, and I'm feeling pretty good about what this is right now. I like that. Uh, despite, you know, the ongoing self-doubt that we have as educators and the ongoing, you know, struggles where we try to figure out how to survive in this weird world, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, I get this idea like, oh, well, you're, you're fine. Why are you talking about that? You know, like, F off, you know. Like, the fact is, you know, I'm not a limousine liberal, nowhere near that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the fact that I'm okay and I still want to advocate for, like, regular people who are struggling. Oh, my God. What a concept. It would be a good thing that people who, yeah. are, little, you know, who are okay financially to want to help out somebody you know, president, else. Right? President Obama made a speech. He made a speech, like, a couple, a couple years ago after he left office. He, he was actually, I think it was, um, he was in South Africa at a Nelson Mandela event or something. I don't know exactly what it was, but he made he made a speech, um, and he mentioned he's like he's like listen he's like I'm actually surprised by how much money I got you know what I mean he's like he's like I'm actually he's like and he's like and I don't have he's like and I don't have half of what or a tenth or a hundredth of what some people have and he's like and he's like you know he did the whole there's only so much you can eat there's only so many tr trips you can take there's only so many um, fun. Tr uh, um, only good restaurants you can visit, you know, to say, to say that if you have that much money, you know, and we can still have a society where rich people will still be rich, but they're given a little bit back to make sure that everybody else has something, you know, universal health care, education, a living wage, like, it, it's okay, <laughs> like, it's okay if that if you have millions and billions of dollars, you pay more in taxes, it's okay. It, is, it should be. Yeah. In fact, there, I think there were a couple millionaires out the last few years who were like, "Yeah, you should take more of my money." Yeah. Like I, I, I don't need all this, and people need to, you know, we need to serve our humans, fellow humans. Warren Buffett said that he's yeah. like, "Please tax me." Well, the, the the right wing response to that is, "Well, go do private charity then." Right. And that's fine. Right. Good. You know, great. Do that. But what about those who aren't reached by that private charity? Right. Private charity is never going to solve all the problems. It's great. And it's all you know, some. It's. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do. You know, it's that. It's that seeing problems and advocating for solutions is. Is if that's what we, if that's all we do, then that's a good. That's a good damn good fine first step. You know, mm -hmm. and it's why I appreciate your. You know, your sort of 
public persona, your public actions on Facebook and whatnot, and in the in the community, yeah. because you know you don't fuck around, and yeah, and, I don't. And you will try to talk to people who will probably think you're a dope for wanting those things, and yeah, I don't have the energy and the and the patience to deal with that, but I, I think it's awesome that you do, and I hope that we have more, you know, more young people, um, you know, pushing in that direction and saying, great, well. There are some things that I'm going to try to work on you with and try to convince you to go in this direction. And sometimes we're just going to say, okay, well, we'll leave you in the dust and we'll go deal with this problem over yep. here. And yep. I really think that's the, you know, that's the future. The future lies, um, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm happy to, to help in various ways. But, like, I think that the reclaiming, uh, you know, of whatever needs to be reclaimed, I think that belongs to, to people you're, you know, in your generation um, and, and those who come after, really, because... You know, hell, I'm I'm 52 years old, man. Like, yeah, I can do some more teaching and I can do some more writing and presenting, but right. you know, like, I don't have the energy or the time to to go get in the trenches with you guys. But, yeah. but occasionally, you know, I'm sometimes out there. Um, that's what we need. You know, more people taking action. I agree, and I wish there was more of us because it gets exhausting. That is for sure. Um, <laughs> I had to, I have to delete my app sometimes just because, like, like yesterday. You know, oh my God, I'm a Trump supporter, not a Trumper. And I was like, isn't that the same thing? Like, it's a silly argument. <clears throat> yeah. Like, it's not like you called them Trump. That would be funny. Or, you know, various other things. Um, I had a friend who used to refer to Trump as Cheeto Mussolini. That <laughs> was pretty good, you know. Uh, Cheeto, I've heard him but called Cheeto, Cheeto Nazi. Yeah, I, I said that on that, on that, in that conversation. Like, some part of my sort of political evolution, I won't say awakening, but was was this, for instance, the, the nicknames and the sort of uh, twisting of people's names in, who are in politics that you don't like. And so, you know, Bush uh, W was was uh, Molly Ivins, uh, Texas uh, now now deceased, sadly, uh, but Texas sort of storyteller and political uh, political watcher. She's amazing. She wrote a lot of great books and columns, and she's just a no holds barred Texas woman who just you know kicked ass, you know, yeah. with, her, with her language and her ribbons, you know. But she um, she referred to him as Shrub um, rather than Bush, and, and so I was playing with that for a while and been doing that. But then I was like, you know, I think it was like halfway through his second term, and I said, you know, this is this is sort of beneath me. Like, why am I referring to this person? Like, there are plenty of things yeah. we can talk about on the merit. Yeah, you know, or the lack of. Merit. I I you know, try to I try to keep it um, policy and solution based as much as I can. With you know, really as much as I can. Sometimes tr Trump does stuff that is just so terrible or so ridiculous that I can't help but get posted out, get outraged about it. Like, um, because listen, we're never, we're never gonna see. I don't. Well, I hope we don't, but I don't think we'll ever see a president like him ever again. To be honest with you, I have. I hope you're right. I hope so. I mean, I hope I'm tread lightly saying that, but he, God, I, I've never fully like full-on like have hatred for a, per a human being like i'm a person that likes to try to look look at the best of human beings but good god like i have never had so much hatred for a human being like i do for donald trump like it, it is and then like to have that guy be your president for four years it's exhausting and and, and you know he was as bad as advertised i think well i think i think the issue now i mean so he's gonna go like he's it, it sounds like he's he's going to walk away at least. Biden's going to be president on the twentieth. I don't know what could happen between now and then, but we still we still have what uh, five days. Yeah, uh, six including tomorrow, right? Yeah, make it through to see what happens, and the, 
the security measures that are going up are insane, and the I know. numbers of National Guard troops around the country who are headed to Washington D.C. This is crazy. I've never, you know, again, it's years old. I've never seen this. I vaguely remember the uh, the gas crises of the early seventies. Like I have this vague memory yeah. of the lines and kinds of fights broke out, and there was that kind of stuff. But good lord, like you know, breaking into the U.S. Capitol building. You've never seen that, have you? And now, and I don't know how true any of this is because I haven't really looked on it. Give me, hold on, pause for one second, Ben. Give me your honest feelings about what happened on January 6th at the Capitol. Just like, give it, just just go. I think I think it's disgusting. I think it, it's frustrating and it's frightening. Yeah. Because if they can do that, what else can they do? I mean, if they had just marched and held their guns in the air outside the building, sure, fine. Yeah. They went in. Yeah. And, and we had senators and Congress people who worried for their lives yeah. for fuck's sake and that's not okay no we can't that's no that's just not okay. and so i'm horrified yeah. and i do think that trump had at least to, to, even to give him the benefit of the doubt whatever that would be with that guy <laughs> but like he you know he he, he fanned the flames at the very least he fanned they the left flames. his rally they left his rally and went to the capital capital and he was like we will not take back our country with weakness well go back to go back to uh what was it, uh, Charlottesville? When yeah. In the aftermath, when he said, find people on both sides. And then something later on where he said to the Proud Boys, uh, I think they were attacking somebody in Seattle or Portland or something. He, and he said, stand, stand back. Stand Chris back. Wallace, I remember watching this because I was watching it. Chris Wallace asked him at... The, I don't remember which debate it was against Biden. One of the two ones he actually actually did. And the, he asked him if he would condemn white supremacy on the spot. And Trump was like... Right. Uh, and then the trouble's like, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. That was his response to that question. <laughs> and that's, and that's I think they did. Yeah. They, I don't know how we see it any other way. They stood back and stood by. Well, okay, so now, picture us making it through the next five days, right? Like, there's nothing, you know, like, sure, there's some unrest, blah, 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 but no, there's no killing. You know what I mean? Like, I hope so. Let's just assume, like, but it's okay. Now, fast forward into the future. Even just, you know, even just the next day, you know that there are right wing people waiting in the wings who are as awful as Donald Trump in, in policy, but they actually know what their policy is yep. and they are competent. I'm very worried about okay, that. More dangerous that is than this guy. I'm very he's worried about that. He's going to know what he's doing. Yeah. And it's going to be a he, by the way. Although yeah, there'll probably course. be a female running mate, but let's be clear here. Um, and, and I don't think, like, one of the people who sees most likely for 2024 is Nikki Haley. She's not this. No. As much as I think there are problems in Nikki Ted Cruz. She's not this. I think it's going to be Ted Cruz. institution burning. I think it's going to be Ted Cruz. You know, she could, she could pull it off. But yeah. I think it's really rendering a really uh, potentially dangerous to more than just those of us in those capital cities kind of period of life. I, I said this a while ago, and it, it's it's, you know, like... I have this tendency to kind of like work a joke into my serious comments because yeah. I don't know otherwise I'll go insane <laughs> out about stuff but you know I said that uh, and it was I think it was around the time of the election I said you know where we're headed right now and it was when all, oh, it was when all the uh, BLM protests were, were kicking off and I said you know we're like 1965 to 1974 all over again but with a hip hop soundtrack instead of a hippie soundtrack <laughs> you know and I think that's true I think there's great potential for massive unrest we're already seeing massive unrest it was, all, it was already pockets but, you know, but it's pretty massive. I mean, that, how long have the people in Seattle and Portland been, you know, protesting now? And even if, even if, as some of my actual reasonable friends suggest, even if they are acting in bad faith, those people who are protesting and, and damaging buildings and burning out businesses and all those things, let's assume that those weren't done by 
by an agent's provocateur, right? That wasn't done by somebody disguised as Antifa. Uh, so let's assume that Antifa people or and or just protesters got freaked out, you know, in the moment, did stupid shit. Okay. But that's a different kind of danger than what we're seeing here. Now, yeah. Those people are... You know they're starting with a cause. Okay, both groups are starting with a cause, but but that's about where the where the comparison ends because these people like you didn't see anybody protesters like even though they were like kind of like protesting and probably damaging federal buildings out there in the West. I never heard a single story about any of those groups like trying to plan plan to kidnap a major politician, right? Or breaking you know breaking into the uh, state house and, and and you know doing terrorist activities, right? Um, no, that's right wing shit. That is Just right. Like in, uh, I forget the state now, but it was the one where the governor, Governor Whitmore, I think. Is that yeah. Kansas? Where was that? Um, but where, and this was several months ago now. I might have been even pre COVID. I don't remember. No, it was during COVID. Um, where the bunch of dudes with guns like showed up, walked into the state house there, just kind of paraded around and created fear um, because open carry is legal, even <laughs> in that building, in that in that state. That's some pretty effed up stuff right there. Yeah. Um, that was like, maybe, maybe that was a, you know, a, a sort of training ground breeding ground for what we just saw last week and i don't know i mean nobody can predict this shit so i hope i don't know i think at any time although i saw the i was watching the news earlier and you know because i'm on remote learning right now which is you know a whole nother topic which i think we should have a second podcast at some point and just talk about teacher stuff so we'll try to figure that out at some point um yeah yeah and just but um you know what are your expectations for President Biden? You know, like how? What? What? what do you, just you know, like ha, like. My expectations are not so very high. The me either. Really low, man. Yeah. As much as, as much as like better than Trump is a stupid thing. Well, better than Trump is important right now. Yeah. I think that I think that Biden um, and I think Biden and the establishment and the sort of the more reasonable people in Congress, you know, his administration, but also like elected leaders and. Or, or politicians in, in various places. I think that we can bring it back to kind of where we were, yeah. which is good and bad at the same time, you know? It's better um, than where we are right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I think like, there's a difference in an administration that seemingly deliberately appointed or hired agent heads and department heads who basically were interested in destroying the work of that agent or that yeah. department, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Bleep and DeVos, right? Um, oh. and, and sort of destroying that work, and then there, and then you, then, the, then on the other hand, you've got Biden, who Biden, if nothing else, knows how shit works, yep. and is going to hire competent people. Now, exactly. I'm say again, but so far what I've seen is not necessarily the kind of people that you and I really want him to. No. Um, but better, anything's better than what we had. So, I think, I think from what I've read, from what I've talked to friends about, who know more about, you know, some of Biden's policies and such, we're going to be back in the Paris Accord yep. very soon after. Probably one of the first things. I think we can expect. I think we can expect a much better federal response to COVID. Yep, and I think I think we're going to see a return to the question of environment. Um, yeah, I question him on that because he has had some relationships with energy groups before, and I just don't know. I'm against fracking too, and I know he said he's. I I, I don't like fracking. That thing. You know that day, and he almost got. You know, here's the really scary thing: if Trump, if if we had not had COVID. The economy, at least by public perception, would have been booming, and Biden would have lost that election. You think so? I, I, I firmly believe at this point. Look how close it was. I know. You know, and that's the scary thing: is what the hell is that divide? How are we that separated? Where 
not, not, it's not even just that people would vote for a Republican. I mean, I, did, you, I have my own feelings about that anyway. But like the fact that basically half the country or half the voters were, were willing to continue supporting Trump. We've known for years what kind of a man that guy is. Oh. We've known for a very fucking long time. That's yeah. ridiculous to say, well, we didn't know. And and the evangelical support, like, which will never die, and this weird, like, we see him as our savior stuff, like the QAnon stuff. QAnon is out of this world, dude. But what the hell? What is happening that you can have... This isn't like Bush versus... or. Uh, this isn't like McCain versus Obama. No. Because both those guys knew how it worked. They honored institutions. Yeah. Say what you will about McCain, but he knew how society worked. Right. You know, I, I don't you know, have a lot, of, a lot of respect for the guy, especially after after uh, 2000. But, but you know, like at the same time, like he was the real deal. You know, he right. knew how shit worked. He was willing to try to make it work. He was willing to back when we could actually kind of reach across the aisle. Yeah. And now that all seems impossible right now. Um, so I'll never forget. I'll never forget watching John McCain. At, um, and listen, I disagree with John McCain a lot, but um, I'll never, I'll never forget. He was at a town hall and he was running against Obama, and you've probably seen this video. Lady steps up and is like, "I don't trust Obama. He's an Arab." And like, and then John McCain was like, "No, no, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's a decent family man person who I happen to just disagree with on policies, you know." And, and it's like, I would let's go back to that, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's go back to having civil disagreements. I mean, you know, because then we can work about, we can work on the whole military industrial complex. We can work on the whole data mining of education. We can work, you know, yeah. all those things that we look at and go, oh my goodness, what the hell is going on over there? Um, it, it's, I don't, I don't feel like prison industrial complex, universal health care, all of it. All of it. Yeah. All of it. You know, prison is pipeline. Yeah. That's what we got to do, but. You know, I also, you know, I struggle with the whole, like, oh, vote him in and push him left. Uh, you know, I don't, that's not really going to work. But at least we'll get some semblance of, of sanity uh, back. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm very interested to see who gets appointed to what. So far, they've been pretty middle-of-the-road kind of politicians or, or state actors of some kind being appointed. Um, you know, yeah, Pete, you know, Mayor Pete, I mean, Mayor Pete, um, being being put in, uh, what, tra- uh, transport? Transportation secretary. Uh, and apparently he's got a lot of knowledge in that field, which who knew, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I was learning about him in that regard. I was like, oh, okay. But he's, you know, I said during the, during the, during the, uh, during the campaign, I called him the, the heir, uh, the heir to, you know, Biden, because he's another centrist. He's another yeah. kind of neoliberal, like all those things that we kind of wonder about and question. Um, you know, I don't know if he's a good guy or not a good guy. He certainly gives a great campaign uh, appearance. We saw him, my son and I saw him at, yeah, yeah, yeah. at school that night, and he was he was wonderful. He was amazing. He had an answer for everything. Like yep. he was glib, he was quick. But then you step back a little bit, and it's like, oh, it's Bill Clinton. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like aspect to him, uh, and and we don't know. Like like Clinton, you didn't know where he stood on anything. Yeah. It was like, where's the wind blowing? You know, what does the right. poll tell me? And and you know, Bill Clinton had his, <laughs> had his own problems. Um, I will say I will say this about Biden. I will say this about Biden. Like I, he's he's too he's not he's moderate for my you know I'm obviously you know he 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 he's not going to address income and wealth inequality. He's not going to. I think he'll tax the rich, but not as much as I would like to see. You know he's not for Medicare for all. He's not. He's for fracking. He's for. But 
at least you, he will listen to the doctors and read his briefings, and he will, and yeah. he will um, listen to the scientists. And climate change will be a thing again, and um, we'll have a we'll have a person who used to be a superintendent and a teacher in charge of the secretary of education. You know, there's a lot of big differences that are gonna, you know, that like those are that's a those are big things, you know. Um, and I will say this about Biden. While while he said things and said things sometimes that make my head scratch, and while he's had, he's voted on things like the Iraq War, you know, which I can't stand, I do think he is at least a decent person, and he at least cares about people, you know, a little bit. I mean, there's anybody can be who reaches those levels of power, right? Right. Um, but you know, I had a friend who's, who asserted once Biden joined the campaign, he was like. This might be just what we need. People are willing to take boring and and yeah. workmanlike over this insanity that we've had for, for three or four years. Well, I and think that, that, that's a thing about Biden. I think that he's a uh, he's so I, I always use this um, and you know you probably like this as a as a school employee. But I always say this about superintendents, sometimes about principals. I say you got to be either a really good manager or a visionary who hires really good managers. Yeah. Like that's, that's the two brands of, of administration in a school setting. And I think that's true on a, on a political level as well, especially with the president. Like you can be an inspiring visionary and then you can have a staff that does really good, you know, like handle the shit. Barack Obama. Uh, or you can just be a really great manager who yeah. knows how it all works, puts the other alliances, who tries to serve most of the people. And let's be honest, like I think one thing that the, one thing that the split in the vote shows us is that we're not – we're not left enough as a country to vote in a lefty. We might be right enough to vote in an insane righty, um, but but we don't have right now. And there's all kinds of factors we could talk about for that, right? There's yeah. all kinds of guesswork. There's all kinds of analysis we could do, but we're not like you and I are a very small minority, and the people like us, right, are a very small minority in this country. I know. Now, expand that a little bit, but you can say that. He, and here's that thing about being on the aisle again, being on the spectrum. You know, the left-right spectrum. The other part is like, yeah. There's very few people who are as left as a package as, say, you and I are. But how many people in this country, it was a two-thirds who were in favor of Medicare for All? Exactly. I mean, you know, Seventy. Like it. It's like 72%, it's man. It's like 72%. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's about 70%. It's about 70% for, like, minimum $15 minimum wage, too. Like, 70% of the country is for that. And so and so here we are with the politicians. They're in the, they're in the way. Right. Right? They're in the way of... 70% of us want it, and some politician is going, oh, we can't have that because blah, blah, blah. Socialism. Well, listen to your freaking talk about Odell discussion. Listen to your goddamn constituents, and you'll find out. Yes. You know, do what they want. Yeah. Find a way. So take what they want, right? If you're the person in, in, in the legislature at that point, or in the Oval Office, wherever it is, take what the people want, stack it up against what can actually happen, and work toward the thing that the people want. Yep. Right? Like, it just, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of gradualism, right? Incrementalism is crap. But at the same time, we don't have enough support as uh, in the country to go like quasi radical. I know what this country should look like. If there are things we can chip away at, no problem. Right. There are things we can we cannot not chip away at. There are things we can slowly build. Yeah. Build back better. <laughs> the stupidest slogans I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, but the intent it is is you know fairly solid. I also do think. The country. I I do think I'm trying to remember with Biden is that first off. He is going into an incredibly impossible situation right now. You know what I mean? It's going to be incredibly. Yeah. He he's he's going into one of the worst. Like who who it doesn't matter who the president was going to be after Trump. Like it. He's going into an almost impossible situation right now. So I gotta we gotta remember that. I think. Um, however, 
with a Democrat unified government, like, I'd like to see them get some shit done. And they can. Yeah. I mean, that's the, at least uh, once we get those, uh, once we get Warnock and also seated, um, then we have an even split, and yeah. then we have Kamala Harris as the uh, Kamala Harris <laughs> as the uh, you know sort of tiebreaker. Right? right. And she can actually. I read this really interesting thing. It's analysis that the majority leader, the power of the majority leader, has accrued through Congress making rules about it. There's nothing in the Constitution about the majority leader in the Senate having this kind of power. So if she could like even if even if he were still now he'd be minority leader now but even if he had been like majority leader he she could come and like cut him off at the knees and just be like yep we're changing that rule yeah like I read this sort of interesting article about I don't know, you know I don't know I'm not a politician I don't know the rules of that but like that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. because if they were able to sort of you know cut him off at the knees then then we've got the ability how many bills are sitting on his desk that uh, would would have helped human beings hundreds real, actual people it's hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, it's hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. What the hell are you doing, Mitch? Like, yeah. You could you could still be kind to you, and you could let like ten percent of those go through. You know? Right. Exactly. Let, let like, he's he's just the puppet for the corporations, man. McConnell. Well, yeah, and I think I think he's actually about power. He he um I, I heard a really interesting report on him um that when he was originally running the sort of the the he was he was unattractive he, he spoke badly like there was all this kind of like the failures of him. But he learned how to play the game. He did. And he's really good at it. Right? He is. He uses his good freeze power to Google. But, like, yeah. he's really good at the game. He knows he's reelected. He knows how to, like, run the system. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that's the thing. Like, when you count votes ahead of time like that and you know it, that's, I mean, that's politicking, right? In the, in the that's legislative politicking. Yeah. When you can count the votes ahead of time and be like, this is here where we are. This is why some of those things didn't happen. I think it's fascinating that he's now, like, he's had it with Trump, right, supposedly. I mean, who knows? But, you know, most of us who were astute observers were saying all along, like, they're just using Trump. They don't, you know, they don't like him. They don't agree no. with him. They're not, they're doing it because... They and you can, they you want. can argue that... You can argue that, that McConnell's gotten what he wanted from Trump. He's loaded the judiciary. He's got the Supreme Court. Like, they don't need Trump anymore. No. Yeah. They don't. And this is an excuse, right? This, this, this uh, insurrection. Right. I also think the language is really interesting. It didn't take... <laughs> two hours for people to start calling it an insurrection and i was like that's interesting let me go look that word up you know and i'm like okay kind of fits yeah um, but it was definitely much more than a protest and what's really really weird to me right now is i keep hearing this kind of the fbi has warned that there will be armed yeah i know across every capital in the nation and i'm like armed protest is a really weird phrase it's to me i'm just i'm scratching my head at that one i can't get past that i'm like you mean they're ready to do battle? That's not just a protest. Yeah, that's, that's like ready to. You know, they're not protesters. Okay, I've I've peacefully protested. You know, they're 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 provokers. You know, they're, yeah. You know what? That, that's they're there to cause some trouble. Like, yeah. You don't walk that thing in Kansas. You know, you don't walk into the state building with your weapon because you can just to make a nice, tidy little polite statement. You got a gun in your hand. Right. You know, like people like take their AR-15s down to Walmart shopping. I'm like. What are you proving with that? Or or, you know, or standing outside and pumping 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 gas and they got their AR fifteen on their back. Like why? Yeah, I just, you know, what is going on there? You know, yeah. you know, was it meal team six, you know? <laughs> All right, Ben. Yeah, so I like to keep these about an hour. We've been going over for fifty eight minutes. 
Um, but I definitely would like to talk. I definitely would like to talk to you again, though, at some point and talk because we. I feel like we could talk forever. Um, but um, probably. Yeah, but uh, thank you for coming on. First off, that was a great podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, fun. Yeah, I need to go eat dinner now. Um, but Ditto. yeah. Um, but I will keep in touch with you and thank you for coming on. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Good luck with your uh, the rest of your shows. Yeah, thank you. And everything, right? <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Your advocacy, sir. Thank you for that. Yeah. Later, man. Bye, man.